Hi, listeners. We have a it's special Ricky message and for you. Oh, wow. We're introducing ourselves into this. <laughs> I think they know who we are. But Look, in case you don't. These are going to be our mini rants. We're going to come on here from time to time. Vicky and I will just kind of go through a very quick rant about a specific topic. And we want to make sure you listen. Usually so you it's coming from Instagram. It, yeah, you could find it. On Instagram, in our stories, we're trying to be on there more. And then some of them will actually be turned into these mini rants that you're going to listen to right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics, which are going to educate and empower others. And give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another bonus episode. In your face. Rounding out the four of the low incidences. This includes a lot, right? Visual impairment. We had deaf and blindness. We had deafness, and then we had hard of hearing. But then visual impairment is kind of a bigger umbrella term. Yes. So visual impairment includes blindness, means an impairment in vision that even with correction adversely affects a child's educational performance. The term includes both partial sight and blindness. So this is going to be a bigger umbrella term than when we kind of separated deafness and hard of hearing, mm-hmm. uh, hearing impairment, this is going to be more of a full category. So whether you have a student that has a significant visual impairment, maybe they are wearing glasses to correct mm-hmm. it, maybe they have contacts, maybe they've even had, you know, surgery for it, or they are, you know, fully blind, legally blind, right. you know, the varying levels, just like with deafness, there's the, the varying levels of visual impairment. This is another low incidence disability, where not only are we going to be looking at the services that they need to access their curriculum. So for instance, looking at adaptive materials, we're looking at assistive technology, speech to text, text to speech, We might be looking at orientation and mobility. How can they access their classroom environment, their school environment, their community, interpreters. But there's also the substantive part of that visual component that there's so much visualization with learning that there's more significant adaptive materials that may be required, CCTVs, um, different devices on the computer. But the big one that is missed more often than not is the teaching to read and write and use Braille. Mm. We often have teens that kind of feel like this is something that goes above and beyond what they're required to provide because, you know, the student is able to listen to books on tape and listen to the instruction and all of that. And so it's thought that like they're accessing the curriculum. But whether you have a child who is very young when they have that visual impairment or it impacts them later in their educational career, the ability to read and write is fundamental to learning. And if Mm -hmm. they can't physically look to read and write, it's not the same to use speech and text and speech. In the real world, you know, we know that there is Braille around and that is a real tool that can and should be used for a student that is under this category. 
depending on their level of need. And so as early as possible, it shouldn't just be access to these materials, but there should actually be the teaching. So there needs to maybe be one-on-one teaching, just like we talked about with deafness and learning ESL. It may be something that as early as they are learning to read and write in elementary school, they are learning to read and write in Braille. They should be learning this tool. It is fundamental to their education and, and part of that low incidence service. I think what gets like overlooked is the amount of work that is needed for yes. making all handouts, assignments in, in available in an appropriate form. And that can be anywhere from regular print, large print, braille, you know, are we putting it to a recording, right? You know, some teachers have YouTube channels and so then the child can have or videos on the Google Classroom, they can access the audio, you know, there is a lot of technology that is more readily available, I would say, it's been generalized. So you know, the text to speech, right. And there is so much out there. But I feel like teachers are often kind of stunted, because they don't know. And there's not somebody on the team that should be there that does know, (laughs) you know, how to use even like a braille label maker, or, you know, to be able to have and it's something that we wanted to find time within this last little incidence is to talk about even accessibility within the classroom. I think that definitely needs to be something that is taken into account that could help all students, but more importantly, you know, to be able to have, you know, the child be able to access literally where they are in right. in the classroom and, and just even things of like general courtesy. So this may be something that is as simple as like speaking to the class when you enter or leave the room. I know a lot of teachers already do that, but just being sure to call the student's name, <laughs> you know, if you want their attention. Sometimes, you know, depending on whether it's blindness or low vision, you hear people say, maybe they don't want to be under glaring lights, right? By a window, you know, you know, oftentimes, even if they are visually impaired, is beneficial, again, to sit in the front of the class. So there's so many varying ways. Again, this is kind of such an umbrella term that I think often just gets overlooked. And really, a lot of the weight gets put on the classroom teacher who may not know all of the tools that are available. And just like, you know, AAC devices and things like that. Again, it's another service. It's another person on the team. You need to have your team stacked or else you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And I think what really helps the successful teams is having a specific set person whose job it is to monitor and kind of maintain curriculum materials. Mm -hmm. Um, I've Mm -hmm. seen this be an assistive technology person, because maybe the visual impairment allows the child to, you know, I've had students who see a lot of their materials through CCTVs, Mm -hmm. who just need things magnified, who maybe we just need um, the materials enhanced, enlarged, books enlarged, they have large textbooks. But if you're in general education, that might not be something that these, all the teachers, especially at their middle school, high school, like that's a lot of work. So you need one person whose job it is to go through. And especially we have teachers that aren't planning their curriculum a year in advance, right? So they might Mm -hmm. be creating materials like last minute. So there needs to be someone that they can go to to say, 
hey, I've got this thing that I'm going to do in two days. Can you please modify it for this student? Mm -hmm. And they need to be able to do it. Otherwise, the student is left behind and they're sitting there not able to access on a regular basis. And then obviously it's consistent in each class because every class is going to be different. Some Mm -hmm. are going to need more Mm -hmm. than others, you know, and then there's the idea that you are not putting it all on, on just the teachers. It should be a team effort. And the parents should be part of that process to be like, you know what? The student's coming home saying, you know, I had a particular student where the CCTV was being asked of them to use a lot and it really strained their eyes a lot to use it. So they felt that it was better to use it for, you know, a 20 minute period of time. And then they needed to switch to a different modality, but that wasn't necessarily something they felt comfortable telling their teachers. So they told the parents. But then if the parents aren't in the loop or the team doesn't take that into consideration, you know, that's a lot harder. So we need to be a lot more intentional about how we discuss these items with each of the teachers and not just think like, oh, it'll get handled because otherwise, you know, unfortunately it just won't. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, it's funny because when we have the visual impairment, sometimes people are like, well, how am I, how am I going to do reminders? How am I, you know, I, everything is so visual. And it's just like, hey, rely on tactile, rely on auditory. It's like we almost kind of hyper-focus on like, well, this is the thing that we can't use. And it's like, yeah, but there's other ways, right? We can use auditory tactile signals. You know, we you know can rely auditorily, especially if it's something that the, the child is, has, you know, is able to to use. If not, then you're using tactile signals. And I just think that don't be afraid. Like that's the only thing I I feel like is applicable that I can say to every single person on the IEP team, whether it's a low incident disability or not. Like, I think everybody has comes to the table with a general understanding or like maybe even a bit more experience because they have a cousin, friend, mother that had this particular unique learning challenge. But I think, you know, the parent is going to be your best bet as somebody with the information that is readily accessible, that is like the go to person. And when teams just don't even listen to that parent, it's really disheartening, because you don't even have somebody on your team that has any expertise in this, right? Yeah, you know, as parents, we just encourage you to really be that voice for your child and you know whatever you do at home like share that with the team like you know they may not be able to implement it directly like you would or maybe the teacher has a preference of doing it slightly different but they they're not going to know what works for your child if you don't share even if it seems like wacky like share it because you never know that teacher might say yes right oh yeah I can do yeah. that I can put my hand on his chest and like breathe with him like that's okay like I can do it whatever it is right that is just like a random example but this now concludes our mini series on below incidence services and disabilities. And we hope you enjoyed those mini episodes as much as we enjoyed talking about them. And as always, feel free to send us a message on Instagram, email us. If you have any questions about eligibility categories, if you know, you, you have a story to share, we, um, yes. we love hearing from you and we will be back with, other regular episodes as well as the remaining couple eligibility categories in the next few weeks. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.